0: Screw it, screw it, we're just
1: talk about comics. Hello and welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, folks. Uh, this is the podcast where two brothers talk about comic books that they like. Usually ones from when they're kids, but hey, I don't know what the future will bring. Uh, right now, this season, we are doing The Incredible Hulk, the first six issues. Uh, I'm one of the two brothers, my name is Will Hines. I'm the other brother, specifically Will's brother. My name is Kevin Hines. Our voices are similar, and not only that, so are our personalities and senses of humor. So it will be impossible to tell us apart. That's the way we like it. We like it. Keep you confused. Keep you on your toes. We don't want you to be comfortable. Yeah. People shouldn't be comfortable. Is that what you said? Yeah. I don't want anyone comfortable listening to this. The way to enjoy a podcast is on tenterhooks. Isn't that a fun word?
0: Yeah, it is. I don't know what it means, really.
1: I don't either, but I, I heard it in an Elvis Costello song 20 years ago, and I've been working it into conversations ever since. Um, Kevin and I are performers and teachers at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theaters. Kevin in New York, myself in Los Angeles. So that's why, um, if you notice that we are hilarious, there's a good reason <laughs> for that. And... Um, yeah, we talk about comic books and, uh, you know, we're not experts or whatever other than just loving them our whole lives. But um, and uh, we d- will have we have an email address and stuff that we'll go over at the end of the episode. So you can send us your thoughts on stuff. Maybe help us out. Maybe correct us. There's always stuff yeah, that we don't. We're have not
0: going to gonna tell you that email address now because we don't want to risk someone sending us email before we finish this episode. Yeah,
1: we don't you to if you're driving, we don't want you to pull over and immediately email us because that'll hold up the economy of the whole country.
0: That's right. You driving kind of fuels this country. I
1: mean, if people are on the road, they're going to either buy something or make some money, baby. That's why they're out there. So we don't want to slow down the productivity of America by giving out our email address early.
0: We are sponsored by uh, fuel companies. We want you driving.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, if you're in an electric car, we'll give you our email. so you up Because we want you getting gas, baby. I'm saying baby a lot more this season. Uh, I'm impressed and I like it. Okay, all right. I'm glad you like it. Uh, today we're doing issue one of the Incredible Hulk. Um, the uh, co-written by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The dialogue is done by dialogue, and editing is done by Stan Lee, and the art and plot is done by Jack Kirby. Um, I'm excited, Kevin. I can't wait. I love this issue.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is early, early Marvel. So I mean, it's it's still so raw and so insane.
1: It's totally insane. I was thinking about the way to describe Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby's like kind of exuberance the other day, like his sort of special flavor of, because Jack Kirby stories, you know, Fantastic Four, Hulk, early X-Men, uh, Avengers, Thor. Um, so, you know, so many amazing Marvel stories or Jack Kirby stories, basically everything except for Spider-Man essentially um, and Doctor Strange. But, like, here's what, here's what Jack Kirby is. Like, Jack Kirby is action, but he's not, like, normal action. He's kind of, like, crazy action. And to me, the best symbol for Jack Kirby is in the movie Mad Max Fury Road when the bad guys get in their trucks to chase after the escaping good guys. And on the front of one of their trucks, they just have a guy playing electric guitar that shoots flames. Do you remember that in the movie, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Me too. That's Jack Kirby. It's like, why... Do you need a guy strapped to the front of your truck playing an electric guitar when you're like on the run for a serious mission? And why does that guitar have to shoot fire in, in a society where gasoline is at a premium? But that that is sort of like a Jack Kirby thing. It's like just something outrageous and kind of in the spirit of what's going on, but sort of creative and wild. That's my metaphor for Jack Kirby. Is watch that movie, Mad Max. Watch that movie, Mad Max for your road. Wait till you see the guitar player. Shut it off. You've got what you need to get.
0: Uh, I mean, just to give you an idea though, of how raw this uh, is, um,
1: is that I think amazing fantasy 15 does not come out yet. So the initial appearance of Spider-Man has not come out yet with that. That's mix. right. There's no spider. Man. Um, so we've had a few issues of fantastic four um, Ant-Man is <laughs> rocking. Ant-Man is so
0: early in Marvel <laughs> comics. Um, but that's it maybe Thor also is out there no I don't think even Thor is
1: yeah Marvel Comics is young like you know today Marvel Comics is this like you know empire this like this movie gargantuan studio and even just the comic books themselves have long been so dominant in the industry but at the time that this issue comes out Marvel is like nobody they're just like this indie studio that nobody cares about it's like just Stan Jack and Steve Ditko um, and Stan is probably the only full-time employee, and nobody probably knows how fully they're going to take over in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I just double-checked Hulk proceeds everyone but Ant-Man
1: and the Fantastic Four. I, I love it. that It'd be like if right before the Beatles hit and the British, British Invasion, it was like the Dave Clark Five kind of snuck in there. So you would have to say, then the Beatles arrived and the Dave Clark Five or whatever. Like you have to sneak in this kind of like minor player. Kevin, do you like this issue?
0: I love this. I mean, I love all six of these, but even this issue feels like it's two very different ideas.
1: Yes. that is Like the the second half
0: feels already like they're changing their mind about what to do with the Hulk.
1: There's a very, there's an improvisational feel with early Marvel stories as if they're making it up as they go. They don't go back and change hardly anything. I mean, I'm sure they did. This is just what it feels like and they would just completely change the definition of the character and the rules for everything from issue to issue, right? Like, that's the theme of these six issues is that there is no theme. It's a constantly changing status quo. Um,
0: from issue to issue, it's wildly different. And like I said, this issue, even within section to section, it can be wildly different. It's a weird third co- – I mean, as weird as Ant-Man is, at least Ant-Man sort of – Good guy gets powers, does good. Yeah, he, they knew what he was, other than that he's sort of a scientist – first. Yeah. Like, he, you know, but I guess that was also true of the fantastic four. These guys were scientist heroes and this guy's also a scientist, but he's immediately not a hero. It's confusing. It's scary. It's weird. They just don't know what it is they have, but I guess either Stanley believed they had something, knew they had something or just didn't care. And just like, it has to be something. Yeah. Cause this isn't even part of a, Another anthology, right? Uh, Ant Man debuted in Tales to uh, Tales to Astonish, and Spider Man debuted in Amazing Fantasy, and Iron Man and, and uh, Doctor Strange all kind of appeared as split tales. So this, other than Fantastic Four, which was like we 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 got something and we're going for it, the Hulk is they're like here's our next hit.
1: Yeah, they didn't
0: they didn't do this for anyone else
1: for their first appearance. Yeah, it's interesting. And they were right. I mean, The Hulk is a huge hit. and um, they, were,
0: they were right and wrong because like it didn't sell well fast because it got canceled mm-hmm. and then sort of came back. Uh, they were right in the long
1: term. Yeah. The Hulk is something uh, that is interesting to me, as I will say a million times as we go over this, is that even though the comic book itself sort of changes its mind about what The Hulk is, the story changes a lot, readers seemed to always be interested and over time, regular human beings have a pretty consistent story for the Hulk. Like as a as a society, people pick and choose what they want to remember from the Hulk, regardless of what the comic does. You know what I mean? People don't yeah. remember Hulk being like a big monster with a Bruce Banner head, for example. <laughs> like sure, sure. That doesn't. They exist. should. They, they should, should remember should, right? that. That should be the primary version, uh, or even like you know Peter David's long phase of having the Hulk the gray Hulk who wears a suit and is the fixer or whatever. I didn't read it. I'm mixing it up, but like that may be popular and beloved, but that has not stuck as like primary version of the Hulk.
0: Yeah. Joe fix it. They, they, I think they toyed with the idea of bringing that into the MCU at one point and then didn't go with it. And I think they were right. I think it would have been confusing to have, have that persona in the Avengers movies. Uh, then they sort of bring in Peter David's professor persona in the Endgame movie.
1: But People will still see that as sort of a exception and not main Hulk. Like Hulk smash is Hulk and people. That's right.
0: Hulk is angry and he punches things. Yeah. Uh, Even without Hulk smash. I don't think Hulk smash was from the TV show. It wasn't said in the TV show, but it was still like a huge line in the first Avengers movie when uh, Captain America goes Hulk smash.
1: I know. I remember cheering.
0: (laughs) It's a great line, but it's like, why do people know that
1: line? I don't know. It works great. And he's good, right? We think of him as fundamentally good, like like persecuted and sort of sweet. And maybe sweet's too much, but like just wants to be left alone, only hurts to get away from things.
0: Yeah, we compare him to Frankenstein in the sense that um, he's a monster, but not a monster that wants to hurt anybody. Um, but his, that version of him is stuck in a way that like Frankenstein often is just portrayed as a monster. Yeah. The Hulk isn't usually portrayed as a monster. Even in the current Hulk comic book, The Immortal Hulk, which is tremendously good. uh, And they refer to that Hulk as the Devil Hulk. Okay. And they talk about how he wants to end the world. Right. You still read it and you go, I trust him. (laughs) He can't be that evil. He might be, but I I don't think so. Um,
1: Should we get into it, Kevin? Yeah, let's talk about this comic book, Will. All right, cover. Issue one, The Incredible Hulk, The Strangest Man of All Time. Uh, as usual, every Stan Lee cover, a picture's worth a thousand words, but that doesn't stop Stan from adding a thousand words to every picture. Yeah. And so we have the unnecessary explanation. We have th- 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 three different, like, subtitles. The That's Strangest right. Man of All Time, exclamation point, exclamation point. Fantasy, as you like it, exclamation point. Is he man or monster, or is he both? <laughs> With a picture of Banner transforming into a big gray Hulk.
0: That's right. And in the background, you see military guys and rockets being shot off. This cover is iconic.
1: Oh, yeah. This is a big one. Um, it,
0: um, this is one that you see homaged and spoofed and brought back constantly. Yep. Um, it is up there with um, Amazing Fantasy 15 and Fantastic Four 1 and even Superman 1. I'd say he has like very famous covers.
1: Uh, and it's good, man. I mean, I, I love it. I'm excited to open it up. And even yeah. the Hulk here has sad eyes. I don't know, you know, how much of this was deliberate or how much of it just came out this way. Um, but Kirby's Hulk is kind of a, kind of got a, like a hangdog sort of sweet look. Yeah. He's not screaming with anger, yeah. which would have been like an easy take to do yeah. with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not like rampaging. No, he's a good guy. Let's get into it. Splash page.
0: Yeah, not much to the splash page. It's almost like a poster. It's all white background, at least the reprint. We're looking at a reprint version. Are you looking at the same version as me? I am. Great. Um, We're looking at a reprint version. Um, So it's just like an all white background, just the Hulk uh, title up above it and the Hulk kind of standing there. Again, he's much less huge than like what people who see the movies are probably used to. He looks like.
1: Andre the Giant, sort of. Yeah, maybe not even
0: quite like a, like a big
1: wrestler, sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's what he
0: looks like. He, does, he He's. He's. You know, he looks like he's probably six foot
1: three, six foot five. Yeah, and built. The cover, he looks more, but it's hard to know, like with perspective and stuff.
0: Yeah, the cover he looks bigger, but through this issue, he doesn't seem to come off as huge. And then it's called Part One: The Coming of the Hulk. Uh, this is also interesting because I don't know if you remember when we read the uh, Fantastic Four comics. There'd be in the banners, the Hulk is coming, would be like written oh, in yeah. the gutters of, of, of one of the issues, probably like issue two or three. Um, so yeah. they just keep talking about it, like the Hulk is coming, the Hulk is coming. They really were trying to get people excited about this name. Yeah. Which had been used uh, as a monster, one of Kirby's monsters before.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, there's like a white furry monster called the Hulk.
1: Uh, right. Marvel had done a ton of monster books before they became a superhero place when they were timely, I guess, or maybe Atlas, whatever, before they sort of officially became Marvel <laughs> yeah, yeah. comics. And, uh, Kirby had done a ton of monsters. What Fing fang, foom, right? That's a, that's a Kirby. Yes. Monster. He's one
0: of them. Um, Groot of the guardians oh, yeah. of the galaxy is another one.
1: Yeah. Um, I love it. So let's, let's get to uh, page two, which is really page one <laughs> of our story.
0: Right, right. The story starts.
1: So, this is another one of the many early 60s Marvel books that centers around two things that I always love to see um, atomic weapons and dirty commie rats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Commies are the main bad guy in early 60s books. Like, boy, oh boy, we couldn't wait to get those commies. <laughs> it really dates it in a, in a way that makes me kind of smile.
0: It takes a little while to reveal that the commies yeah, are the commie, bad guys here, is a other than the guy's guy. name is Igor.
1: Yeah. But I guess there was a lot of German scientists in the space program, so that would have just seemed like the way, you know, Eastern European people in the space program doesn't necessarily stand out as an obvious bad guy. Although if you read a lot of Marvel comics, if they're from behind the Iron Curtain, they are bad, bad, bad.
0: Yeah, because uh, it starts with Bruce Banner and his, uh, I guess, assistant or co-scientist Igor um, working together and Igor is a jerk.
1: Igor's a jerk. He's an arrogant. He doesn't, he doesn't like Banner. He's, um, he doesn't like that Banner's keeping all the information to himself. Oh, they're testing something called the G bomb, which is a gamma ray bomb, which I think is made up.
0: I mean, gamma rays are a thing, but beyond that, yes.
1: <laughs> but them being like this powerful, unknown, magical quantity thing that's made up, right? I hope so. Actually, I guess I don't know. Maybe the science behind this is hundred percent accurate. it's time it's time we tested it um let's make a g-bomb anyway they're testing a g-bomb banner is like little meek scientist with his glasses and his pipe igor his assistant is super mad that he hasn't revealed the secret information of the g-bomb with him
0: it's interesting to me because igor talks about like you know shouldn't you want me to look over the numbers or something um which
1: actually sounds reasonable
0: which is what reed richards said to dr doom
1: oh
0: yeah but but in this case the good guy, uh, Doctor Doom, is uh, um, the evil. Uh, you know, whatever uh, it's reversed,
1: right? Uh, and Reed Richards, Richards wants to look over the numbers. Doctor Doom, yeah. won't let him. Yeah, this comic is championing. You don't need someone to check your work. Not if you're Bruce Banner. Who's smarter, Bruce Banner or Reed Richards? Reed Richards. Now, why do you say that? Because I think
0: he's just the smartest man in the Marvel universe. Is pretty much his. He's got that locked up.
1: How about, how, where does Tony Stark figure to this? The other sort of brain. I think probably Tony is
0: number two, mostly because of the movies.
1: <laughs> Just because he's become such a powerful character.
0: Yeah. And I think because it's weirdly because of what they need to be, because Reed Richards is the leader of a team, he's constantly inventing and discovering and kind of can do all science. Mm-hmm. And then Tony Stark is sort of that to the Avengers. Right. Uh, Hank Pym also is like up there. Like those guys are always just like creating and designing and building and solving problems with science where Banner mostly is just trying to cure himself and failing. Um, like he mostly, he's the expert in radiation. Right. Probably. But beyond that,
1: so he's re- not read my portrayed Colin as Bruce the expert info on radiation if he needs it. Cause he's like, well, Bruce is the expert on this.
0: Yeah, I would think so. And like Tony is the mechanical engineer. Yeah. Expert, like if it's building something, Tony's the best. Right. Reed, sort of everything is good. Yeah. Uh, I've always thought Spider-Man probably is more of a Tony Stark than a Reed Richards.
1: Yeah, just like a practical gadget gizmo guy. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so on this first page, we kind of get a lot of our main characters. We meet Bruce Banner. We see Igor, who's going to be the bad guy of this issue. Spoiler. Um, we see General Thunderbolt Ross, who is an incredible who's, character. He's amazing right away. He just is always impatient and screaming and hates physically weak people and hates Bruce Banner and his daughter is engaged to him or dating him or something?
0: Uh, just interested in him. Okay, yeah. The fourth panel is Thunderbolt Ross bursting into the lab. <laughs> Why the delay, Banner? What are you waiting for? Which it's so crazy to rush blowing up a bomb. <laughs>
1: My men have been stationed here for weeks, wasting time because of your infernal delays. You gonna test that blamed bomb or what? Blamed? Yeah, I don't know how that's pronounced. I think it's
0: I would say I would always read it as
1: blamed, but I'm not actually sure. I would read blamed because I think it's like comic book substitution for damned. Like they're trying not to curse. So they're yeah. doing one of those like comic book substitutions. So I always read it as blammed because I, but that's not a word. So, and blame yeah. is a word. So I don't know. It should be two
0: Ms. I would think, but I really don't know.
1: Panel five is incredible with, with, oh,
0: it's so great. I love this. It's this already my favorite panel.
1: <laughs> Thunderbolt Ross mouth wide open, Igor glaring in the background and Bruce fidgeting with his collar, Rodney Dangerfield style. And then I think the next panel's even better. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> It's Ross. just Thunderbolt Ross, fist-clenched,
0: fury. He's so oh. angry. Nothing has ever made him this angry before. <laughs> because uh, Banner's like, let's be careful. This is powerful forces. And he hated that response. Yeah, He immediately is like, powerful forces? Bah! A bomb is a bomb. The trouble with you is you're a milksop.
1: You've got no guts. Milksop. They should have put
0: me in charge of this test. By thunder, it would have
1: been done by now. His nickname is Thunderbolt, and he says the word thunder. Um... Milksop is one of the all time great words in Marvel Comics history. <laughs>
0: and it is frequently used by Thunderbolt Ross describing Bruce Banner. It is almost like when it's used in anyone else says it in any other Marvel comic, it feels like a betrayal. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, you're not the milksop, that's Banner.
1: Banner is the milksop, just like Peter Parker's the panty waist. That's right, exactly. Get your get your emasculating insults correct. Uh um, we're going to pick our favorite art and our favorite dialogue, and I bet you we're both going to pick this one for both. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Um, then we meet, then we meet, uh, Betty Ross, who's the love interest. I guess at this point she just has a crush on Bruce and his emotions as with all men in the Marvel universe is unrevealed.
0: Yeah. She's mostly just there to moon over the genius that is Bruce Banner.
1: She's got a little, um, Jackie Kennedy hat on. She does. Yeah. And this is a pretty Kennedy assassination.
0: She's nice. She's nice to Banner right away. She even sort of tempers uh, Thunderbolt Ross.
1: Yeah, don't mind Dad, Dr. Banner. Ever since he was nicknamed Thunderbolt, he's tried to live up to it, which he just goes harumph. <laughs> yeah, love it. Thank you, Miss Ross. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross is the J. Jonah Jameson of Incredible Hulk. Like, he's the blowhard yelling guy. It's the main character that we're missing in Fantastic Four, although Thing kind of does it sometimes. Yeah. Um Okay, so then we get on, we're starting to get on with the test on page, we're on page three. We're going to take forever. Page three. It'll
0: be, I mean, the first five or six pages of this comic are immensely important.
1: Yep. So page three, we're setting up the gamma bomb test. Igor is fuming. Banner's doing it all himself.
0: himself. I I hate to slow us down even more, but I love Thunderbolt Ross's line in the first panel on this page.
1: Okay, yeah. So Banner says, and now if you'll excuse me, it's time for the final countdown. Betty Ross goes, good luck, Dr. Banner. (laughs)
0: And Thunderbolt Ross goes, it's ding-dong, well about time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's Hurry great. up with your, essentially a nuclear bomb test is what it yeah. essentially is. But there's a wrinkle, Kevin.
0: There's, like, there's somebody just driving out into the test site.
1: Yeah, Banner gets his binoculars. He looks out of the little window of their stone bunker. And there's a kid in a jalopy. Jack Kirby loves his cool jalopies. That's right. Just cruising on into the desert. Right into the test area where they're about to explode a bomb. And And Banner Banner doesn't
0: send any of these soldiers out.
1: No, Banner's a do-it-yourself guy. He might be a milksop, but he takes care of his own messes. So
0: he, he demands that Igor delay the countdown. He leaps into a Jeep and drives after the boy who will be known as Rick Jones.
1: Yes, And it's one of these things where just because it's a comic and you know something has to happen, you forgive it. But I would assume that if the main scientist on a testing site said delay the countdown, he could just say it out loud and a lot of people would just be on top of it. Yeah, it should happen. Uh, It doesn't feel like, you know, and, um, but Igor, because he only told Igor and Igor hates Banner, he's like just doesn't do anything about it and he's going to get Banner killed. He's committing murder here, basically. Yeah,
0: at this point where we haven't revealed Igor's true. Um,
1: intentions or
0: intentions. He just seems like vicious. He's like, he's like, let me check your work. Banner goes, no. And he goes, I should kill this man.
1: Yeah. He just seems like the most petty uh, PhD student you've ever seen. Uh, We cut to the test site on page four. Banner is catching up to Rick Jones, who is sitting in his car playing a harmonica. Um, Rick Jones has great dialogue here written by the (laughs) over 40 year old Stan Lee. Uh, Cool it, man. The kids bet me I wouldn't have enough, wouldn't have nerve enough to sneak past the guards. This page
0: is maybe one of the best pages in like the first couple years of Marvel comics.
1: Ooh, what a, what a statement. I, I can see your point, but uh, sell me on that. Well,
0: I mean, first of all, this, the image of Rick Jones playing harmonica is great and hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Banner dragging him forward on the second panel is great. Yeah, this is
1: an action packed page.
0: The third panel is just the fire button and the countdown. It's, it's, it's uh, all about s- uh, s- uh, s- stress and what's going to happen.
1: And then the middle row here, the middle three panels of this nine-panel grid. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is one of the most famous stretches in Marvel Comics history, right?
0: Yeah. So we have this fourth panel of Banner tossing Rick into a ditch and being blasted from behind by the gamma bomb. Then like two panels of just rays bathing him. The, the sixth panel is just Banner screaming in radiation.
1: As a kid, I remember this so vividly. The caption above the sixth panel, the world seems to stand still, trembling on the brink of infinity as his ear-splitting scream fills the air. And the next panel is sort of a match cut where he's no longer right. being bathed in rays, but he's still in the same screaming expression. And the caption says, and he's still screaming hours later. I remember being so like struck by that description like hours later so he's been
0: screaming nonstop for hours it's it's intense it's terrifying
1: it really got me as a kid like there's times that i make fun of stan lee's crazy dialogue although i always love it but there's times that i'm like he's a good writer like that's a great that's a great turn of phrase and it really hit me as a kid
0: yeah and rick jones is still there in the last couple panels we see rick jones brought him to a doctor um because rick jones is like you saved me and you didn't need to
1: I like his cool kid persona in the ninth panel. "You saved my dumb life. I figured it was the least I could do for you. You know, it's a funny thing I'm an orphan, no one ever did anything for me before except you a stranger. It's a pretty fast characterization of Rick Jones.
0: Yeah, we get a lot of information. We're four pages into this comic, but we know Thunderbolt Ross. We know Rick Jones. We know Bruce Banner.
1: I I remember we know them well. Also, as a kid, it seems like kind of hackneyed or tropey. But you say you're an orphan. No one ever cared for you. As like a 10 year old, when I read this, I was like, I like this guy. I mean, I was into this book. uh, Yeah, Rick Jones is great. Rick Jones is often
0: removed from uh, the Hulk comics. And he's not in the movies. But he is a critical part of these first six issues.
1: Kirby, I think, liked having a sidekick, like, you know, Captain America had Bucky. Uh, This this is kind of like Kirby's old fashioned in a way, like even though Marvel Comics as a whole will modernize things, Spider-Man did a lot of the modernizing and Kirby was more like the best of what had been, basically, you know, like visually he was way ahead of his time. But in terms of storytelling, Kirby liked, you know, action, love interest, sidekick, good guy, bad guy.
0: I mean, what else do they know at this point? This is, again, the third big hero they've created. I agree.
1: I agree. Also, you need
0: a supporting cast. Back then, supporting casts were everything. You needed to fill in the world around them. It's not a team book, so you can't have Banner alone, even though that's what the TV show is. So you need to have Thunderbolt Ross and Betty um, and Rick Jones. Uh,
1: I just have to point out the insane thing that I also noticed as a kid, which is like, so Rick Jones gets thrown in a trench and he's a hundred percent safe. Yes. And Banner is three feet above him on the surface mm-hmm. and he gets turned right. into the incredible Hulk. That's right.
0: All right. Uh, that's science. Well, that's okay. science.
1: All right. Like there's no radiation poisoning at all for mm-hmm. Rick Jones and Banner that's right. is turned into a scientific phenomenon. Okay.
0: That's right. If a bomb goes off, just like get behind a rock or something. <laughs> this is a this is a good um. Testament to duck
1: and cover. Yeah. The, uh, what is that from the Incredibles? Oh, uh, I mean, iron, it's from iron the giant. real, the real world, isn't it? I mean, Oh yeah. But I remember it from iron giant.
0: I mean, but it preexisted the iron giant no, in, in our giant schools it. that our parents attended.
1: No. all right, uh, fair no, enough. No, I know you're right. I know. Uh, page five is another great page. Uh, yes. they're keeping banner in quarantine because they're freaked out that he was exposed to the full force of a G bomb and Rick Jones is in there too because he was also exposed. They have a Geiger counter um that's clicking and it starts going nuts and then we get the first transformation into the Hulk.
0: Yeah, it wasn't really clicking much until nightfall and then it goes wild. And Banner turns into a gray behemoth who is taller than Banner but maybe by a foot.
1: Not not like the not like the enormous transformation that it will be uh in the future, but um He's still, he's still a different body. Yes. And, uh, he also has a different personality.
0: Yeah. Um, it's also not crazy. He's so big, he's big enough, but he's not so big that it's not crazy that the clothes fit him. They're <laughs> yeah. ripped, but they
1: fit. Right. Um, get out of my way, insect. And he knocks Rick Jones aside.
0: Yeah. Uh, we quickly will realize that he doesn't know he's Bruce Banner. He doesn't know who he is really, or where he came from.
1: He's like a separate creature, really. Yes. Uh, he wants to know why he's locked in here, and he just easily punches through the big stone wall. Um, this is on page like, six?
0: Yeah, like it was cardboard, according to Rick Jones.
1: Like it was cardboard. Uh, there's a bunch of army men outside who are like, who the heck is this? And he's just annoyed men, more little men. He wrecks the Jeep and tosses them aside. And then I think, just,
0: just step back for a second, if you, made a, if you put me in a cell made of cardboard, mm-hmm. I think I would even struggle longer than the Hulk struggled here. Even cardboard would hold you up. I mean, I think I'd get through it eventually, but like when I'm like ripping into like an Amazon
1: box or whatever,
0: sometimes it takes me a bit,
1: especially if I'm, you know, I'm opening it at the seams, but like, I'm trying to like tear it in half. If I was in a room sized Amazon box, I mean, I would look for scissors. I wouldn't just go at it with my hands.
0: I think I could get through. I could definitely get it wet and that would help me,
1: but I don't think I could just push it down. If Hulk got a bucket of water first. Um... He gets but yes, yeah, he, he wrecks a jeep and sends some soldiers flying. And then he walks off into the desert night and Rick Jones chases after him because he, I think, feels loyal to helping out whatever just happened to Banner.
0: Yeah. And this is the at the end of the first chapter.
1: Great first chapter.
0: Yeah. Because, again, Marvel is still in this sort of anthology zone where they're just sort of doing these six to eight page... Short stories.
1: I know the books are 22 pages, but there's like 15 chapters in that, in this, yeah. in this short time, you go through a lot of story in an early Marvel comics thing. So you know, now we the, have the, the early eighties, Claremont X-Men. You could have 22 pages of Kitty Pryde just wondering if she should tell Colossus she has a crush on him. But in a Jack Kirby, 22 pages, that's enough time for like Germany to reunite and like the moon to become part of Des Moines or something.
0: or our life choices that have led us to this point, reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to
1: Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Uh, All right, part two, The Hulk Strikes.
0: Yes, um, it starts with the Hulk sort of crouched behind a boulder wall. The army searches for... Something. I guess they know about the Hulk. Oh, because he wrecked the Jeep. So searching for the guy who, like, attacked that Jeep full of men, which would be terrifying, I guess. Terrifying. I'm on their side.
1: They're out in the middle of the desert. Who is this guy or this creature? We have the, the caption on page seven, like a silent dreadnought, the hulking thing that was once Bruce Banner crouches in the shadows as the pursuing troops rush by. I mean, this would be a good comic book cover, this splash page. <laughs> Yeah, it would be, and it also has the word dreadnought, which Stanley loves using. It's like the third <laughs> instance that I can remember, maybe fourth of dreadnought, um, and it's where I learned the word dreadnought. And thank you, Stanley. And I actually don't know what it means, but I uh, but I like it. It means sex symbol. Oh, really? I'm, I've been using it very wrong. Um, <laughs> page eight. So this is the search for the Hulk. The Army Men. Um, Are sort of confused and looking for him. But meanwhile in the woods, Hulk and Rick Jones are just wandering away. Actually, speaking of
0: sex symbol, that that, uh, fourth panel on this page, page eight, it's pretty handsome.
1: Hulk? Yeah. Yeah, Hulk's dreamy. Uh, Kirby can't draw anybody who doesn't look like um, kind of a a really... He he likes cheekbones. He likes the squareness of good cheekbones, so... I mean, he's got a little
0: bit of a big brow, but other than that, he looks just like a handsome, gray-skinned man. <laughs> uh,
1: now, even though he's not Banner, it's confusing whether he's Banner or not, because here he wants to get home, and he means his, his home as Banner.
0: Yes. Um, he's but, driven by sheer instinct, according to the captions.
1: Yeah, he, has to get, he wants to get to the formula, the G-Bomb formula. So this is somehow Banner's instinct in the Hulk. Whether or not they're the same person, I don't know. But they sneak quietly by some guards. They get to Banner's barracks, and Hulk was right inside. Igor is searching for the formula. That's right. This is on page nine. This is a pretty exciting panel.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Hulk just knew page. where he lived too. So there is an as- he has an aspect of Bruce. I don't think they really knew what what was Hulk and how much of him was Banner for a long time. Really until uh, Len Wein. Um, kind of did uh, did some Hulk comics and definitely by the time Peter David got his hands on him, that got more defined.
1: Yeah. It's some, sometimes it's a foggy minded banner, sort of like Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes it's like, there's a different person that it's sort of whatever's convenient to the story. Yeah. Uh, they definitely share some knowledge. Um, so Hulk is in the banner banner home. Igor is sneaking around for the secret. He tries to shoot the Hulk. Hulk doesn't even feel it, and he yeah. grabs the gun and just crushes it.
0: But he recoils a bit, which I always love. Like he's gets shot at and he's scared for a second.
1: He so Igor wants to kill the Hulk. The Hulk notably doesn't try to kill Igor. He just crushes the gun and he like cat he just throws Igor aside, right?
0: Yeah, he tosses him aside and that reveals the Top secret report on gamma ray bomb, which is taped to the bottom of a flask.
1: Yep. Um, That's another one of those things that weirdly stuck in my brain. Like the idea of a thing being taped to the bottom of a glass beaker seems like a weird hiding place. It worked, though. Igor didn't find it. Didn't find it. Also, on page 10, while Hulk is sort of tossing Igor aside and securing the secret to the bomb, he sees a picture of Banner and he hates it.
0: It's it's strange that Banner has a photo of himself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i don't have you don't see a lot of people with framed nice glossy photos of themselves on their desks but no not really not too often yeah guess it keeps him going
0: yeah and i mean it helps in this situation i guess if he was preparing for turning into a hulk it was a smart
1: move um uh, hulk hates banner it's weak soft i hate it take it away And Rick's like, this is you. This is who you just were really like five minutes ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then page 11, uh, Hulk swats Rick Jones again. Rick Jones (laughs) takes some punches.
1: (laughs) This is the second time Hulk has swatted Rick Jones aside. It's funny how much Hulk just swats people aside. Yeah. It's a pretty common move for him.
0: Yeah, it's brutal. It must really hurt because like Rick Jones is like... He's sideways. Yeah, he's just flying. (laughs) I mean, to be. He's flying off panel like it's a punchline in a Bazooka Joe comic. To
1: be hit hard enough to be completely horizontal is something else.
0: Yeah, and he did that with a flat hand. Oof, poor Rick. But it's sunrise.
1: Sunrise happens, and right now in Hulk comics, that's what determines the change. So he turns back to Banner. The bottom of page 11, it's Dawn has broken and he's human. So we go into on page 12, part three, the search for the Hulk. Yeah.
0: Uh, and everybody's here. The Army, Thunderbolt Ross, uh, Betty Ross. Betty Ross. Uh,
1: I don't think that's Thunderbolt Ross. That's some other officer in a blue uniform because oh. it doesn't have the big mustache.
0: You're right. It doesn't. It should. Why is
1: Betty there? then? I don't know. Betty's, uh, so
0: Betty's there to check on Banner. She was nervous about Banner. That's right.
1: So they trail Hulk to this cabin, which is correct. But now they can't find him, which is correct because it's only Banner, who they all know. And, they're, um, and uh, they're asking him, and one person suspects that Banner must be in league with the Hulk?
0: Well, right, because Banner, the oh, Hulk broke open their cell.
1: Right, right, okay, yeah. Uh, but uh, at, on page 12, they're, they've, they're, they know that Igor is a spy.
0: Yes, they, that's, this is where he finally revealed that Igor is not just a guy who hates Banner, he is a spy. Page and he's dragged tr- off to jail.
1: Yeah, we don't find out how they figured that out, but they have figured it out. Mm-hmm. Page 13 is kind of interesting they're They're, they're kind of trying to um, ask Banner if he's seen the Hulk, but they don't even know what the Hulk is.
0: Yeah, the, it's described as a gorilla or a bear in clothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Rick and Banner kind of instinctually just cover. They sort of don't say, oh, it was me. You know, like I transformed into this thing. Probably a smart choice. I'm not sure if it is like if I knew that I was changing into like a huge monster. I think my first and I was part of the military and these guys are people that I know. I think I'd be like, hey, you got to lock me up. I'm him. I don't know. Maybe
0: I don't know. I mean, these guys try to rush bomb tests. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I trust this military. I would want to keep it a secret and see if I could use my powers for good.
1: I guess that's consistent. Like Banner doesn't like anybody checking his work. He keeps everything secret. So he's going to keep this secret.
0: Yeah, he wouldn't have told Rick Jones if Rick Jones didn't already know.
1: Um, They give the bomb report, though, to the military. It's fortunate Igor did not get your gamma bomb formula. I'll take it for safekeeping, says this random army dude, and I guess that's okay.
0: Yeah, I guess so. And then Banner breaks down crying in front of uh, Betty, and she's into it.
1: Yeah, she wants to help him. Page 14, um, he says he needs to be alone. He apologizes for breaking down in front of her. She leaves. Rick has had it with these lovebirds flirting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a whole panel and a half. Uh, Miss Ross, Betty, I'll call you later after I've had a chance to pull myself together. And Rick thinks, oh, it's Betty now. Bah, how revolting. <laughs> yep,
0: that's a teenager for you.
1: Teenagers hate love. Um, this, the
0: bottom of this page is also beautiful.
1: It's ter- yeah, he um, doesn't know what he's going to do. He knows that when sun falls, he'll probably become the Hulk again. Uh, and we see that sun is already falling. There's like shadows on his face. Scary. Yeah. What people don't
0: know is in Arizona, the days are, the days and nights are really short.
1: Yeah. Days and nights are like 45 minutes each.
0: Yeah. So like they just, it, it shoots through days. It's like being on Mercury or something.
1: Yeah. The sun rotates just around Arizona. Oh, we're into part four. We're moving. Yeah, that's right. So page 15, Igor, who has been found as a spy, is in the cell locked and honestly, up.
0: honestly, also looks handsome here.
1: Also looks good. Good looking dude. He's got big, beefy arms. Um, everybody in a Jack Kirby comic is muscular by default. I mean, he's
0: a scientist. I've never looked as good as these scientists.
1: Yeah, these, if you're a scientist in Marvel Comics, you got to hit the gym.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's um, what, that's what Reed had to do after issue one. He was so spindly, he had to work out.
1: Yeah, by issue 30, Reed was a bouncer. Um, So Igor has like a little device on his thumb, like a little electronic device, a shortwave radio. This is a very Kirby-esque machine on his thumbnail that he can use to communicate with the Eastern Europe.
0: For the 60s, that's pretty impressive microtechnology.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's got basically got an iPhone in his thumb. Yeah.
0: Nowadays, you'd be like, who doesn't?
1: Who doesn't? I'd be bored. He's communicating with the Iron Curtain. Uh, A message gets to a guy operating a Big Ham radio. Uh, We get to... The messages get passed. We see pictures of Khrushchev. So we know that these guys are in league with the commies. And everybody is scared to give it to their boss. But message finally does get to the boss. And we see who it is. And it is a man known as the Gargoyle. Yes.
0: He's got an enormous head.
1: Yeah. His head is way out of proportion to the rest of his face, which is, I'm going to say it,
0: ugly. He's The first ugly character Kirby drawn in this comic. He's got huge eyebrows, sort of just... Working their way up his forehead,
1: which is a mountain of a forehead. He's got short, stubby, broad fingers. He looks like a video game character. Um, uh, Everybody is scared of him, but he seems to be in charge here. He he refers to some
0: power he has. He's like, this Hulk seems to have power that almost
1: matches mine. I'm not sure what that power is, even after having read this comic. Well, he's definitely super smart, and he's ugly. So he's got the power of negative charisma and good good uh, science knowledge. Okay, fair enough. We know that he's supernaturally affected. We will, we will find out later. That's right. Um, okay, so he fires a missile from a sub. And why is that? Oh. He's in it. He's in it. Because <laughs> he wants to go meet the Hulk. That's right. So within six panels on page 17, he goes from Eastern Europe somewhere, and he's transported way across the globe to be near where the Hulk is.
0: Yeah, and it seems like Banner hasn't turned into the Hulk since we last saw him. So that took place in the 45-minute long day of Arizona.
1: Jack Kirby's got no time for waiting. Uh, Things have to happen immediately. Yeah. So we cut to the Army base. Rick and uh, Bruce are just driving around. Mm -hmm. They summarize the story as if as if we haven't read the previous like 10 pages (laughs) that remind us of what's happened i mean stanley and jack assume they are writing for the most attention span deprived audience who need the plot resummarized every six it's like i understand summarizing the previous issue or even the overall meta story but this is issue one like i'm caught up like you don't need to remind me that this is the guy who turns into the hulk
0: Stanley was ahead of his time. He was writing it for a generation that was used to iPhones and Apple Watches that couldn't pay attention for a full 22 pages and would constantly need need reminding.
1: Bottom of page 17, Rick says to Bruce, it's hard to believe, Doc, you're the most famous missile expert in the world. You're brainy and cultured and all that jazz. And yet, and then Bruce finishes his sentence, and yet due to forces unleashed by the gamma ray, I turn into a marauding savage brood at nightfall. It's like, yeah, we saw. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) Um, If you skimmed up to this panel, you're caught up. Yeah. Page 22, he changes into the Hulk. Yeah, they shouldn't
0: have been driving
1: at sunset. Yeah, and because he was driving, he crashes into a thing. Um, The Hulk emerges. He's colored green here in my reprint, but I feel like that's a mistake. In this issue, he was gray.
0: Oh, in mine, I I see gray still.
1: Okay, I'm looking at the—I guess I'm not reading the same reprint as you. I'm reading the epic, epic collection.
0: Yeah, they must have fixed it. He's still gray in the reprint I have.
1: Um, they, they kind of wrongly fixed it. They fixed it for the canonical color, but not for this issue's color. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um, he's the Hulk again. Um, his clothes fit better. I guess maybe Bruce deliberately wore some baggier clothes.
0: He seems less. I mean, he doesn't seem a foot taller than Rick now. He seems maybe half a foot taller. Maybe maybe a, still a full Sorry, foot. Sorry. I can't Whoa. do that. Why, why did Siri respond to me? Siri's Sorry. involved. Siri has something to say about the Hulk. <laughs> i don't even have siri on something uh, that's weird <laughs> yeah okay, anyway so. this is great also this last three panels sort of feel like a giffen comic book how so uh, just sort of the lines um, of gargoyle in that final panel rick jones clutching the hulk it feels like you see a little bit of where giffen
1: came from in there oh interesting i love keith giffen me too. So Gargoyle is conveniently very close to the Hulk. The Hulk and Rick Jones are wandering off into the desert, maybe to see Betty Ross. Hulk kind of remembers where Betty lives. Uh, so he's wandering off that way, but right behind him is the Gargoyle.
0: That's right. We cut to the home life of the Rosses.
1: <laughs> uh, Betty is mooning over Bruce Banner. I can't get Bruce Banner out of my mind. Somehow I feel he needs me.
0: Yeah. She's just sort of leaning against the fireplace while, uh, General Ross is reading the newspaper, smoking a cigar.
1: Looking grouchy. What is it, girl? You've seemed troubled all day. Oh, Dad, if only things were as simple as in your day when a cavalry charge or a squad of infantrymen could solve anything... But today, with the strange, almost supernatural forces all around us, I feel as though we're on the brink of some fantastic, unimaginable adventure. (laughs) Honey, you just need a little fresh air. (laughs) General
0: Thunderbolt Ross has a cure for a woman thinking too much. I mean, that's
1: one of the best best speeches in um, these early Marvel issues. Betty kind of has her, you know, kind of gives us a theme here.
0: Yeah. It's also crazy to send out your daughter
1: when there's a Hulk wandering around. So she goes out for fresh air, and the Hulk wanders upon her. Yeah, immediately he gets there. And he kind of quips. The Hulk quips? Yeah, Betty says, as the Hulk is walking up and she doesn't see him, she goes, and perhaps I can tell myself it was all a dream. There is no Hulk. Then the Hulk steps in front of her. and th- But there is a Hulk, and don't you ever forget it. <laughs>
0: yeah, and she faints.
1: Yep, she faints, which disgusts the Hulk fainted, bah, just like all weak, helpless creatures. Uh, yeah, we don't yet know if the Hulk is dangerous, so him kind of having the... Having a, a human in his arms, is that bad news? Could be.
0: I mean, it's bad news in the sense that people are hunting for him. If they stumble on him in that pose, he looks dangerous.
1: Uh, but now the gargoyle— It looks, it looks bad, It looks basically. bad. Uh, gargoyle, bottom of page 19, enters the fray. You are wrong, monster. Turn around and face the gargoyle. You are wrong because Hulk yelled at Rick Jones that nobody tells the Hulk what to do.
0: Yeah, The gargoyle tells the Hulk what to do And that's the end of part four
1: We are moving So now we go into the final part, part five One thing about 22 issue comics, you need five or six chapters We got five chapters Yeah.
0: Now, I can't remember what's going on I hope they recap it
1: Yeah, I've lost track of the plot, so I hope they let us know what's happening Uh, Rick, holy Hannah Who's that? (laughs) Which is finally, I've been reading every page I kind of don't know who this is Um, (laughs) Hey, look out Hulk, he's got a gun Everyone's got a gun no yeah. puny pistol can kill the Hulk. It's sort of like a code of these comics that the good guys don't use guns. Yeah, good for them. Every bad guy's got a gun. Um, it's never explicitly said. You know, Batman never used a gun. Um, right. Hulk yeah. doesn't use a gun. Spider-Man doesn't use a gun. Yeah. Human uh,
0: Torch had I, his machine gun, but he rarely pulls it out.
1: Yeah. It's um, just drawn on the back of him at all times. <laughs> Uh, so the um, he shoots at the Hulk, but as we know, guns don't do anything.
0: But this is not a bullet. Uh, the gargoyle says it's a shoots a pellet of his own invention.
1: Observe. The instant it strikes you, it saps your will, making you my slave. And it works. And then he shoots Rick Jones because he also wants a teenager. So he's got both the Hulk and Rick Jones as his slaves. There's always tons of mind control in these early issues, whether it's hypnotism or devices and stuff.
0: Then he'll, they leave Betty Ross passed out in the sand.
1: And Gargoyle just walks away. How easy it is for the Gargoyle to be victorious, which is a great bad guy line. It's sort of true. Sort of true. He got them in seconds. I mean, this morning he didn't even know about the Hulk. Now he rode a missile and he's got him with his will-sapping bullet.
0: Yeah, that's a good invention.
1: Um, Thunderbolt Ross finds Betty. Uh, um, she's scared. She hugs her dad. He reassures her and he vows to find to find the monster. It's, it's personal now.
0: Yeah, even if it takes an eternity, I'll find that monster.
1: Uh, now the Gargoyle's in a car. He also sapped the will of some car that was just driving around the Arizona desert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He gets to an ocean, an unnamed body of water in the Arizona desert. Yes, that's right. Uh, in a boat with a bunch of men and the Hulk and Rick Jones. These dudes seem pretty chill with the big gray monster that's gotten into their boat. They quickly
0: get to a submarine where they get into a
1: jet. <laughs> so that, that means there's a Russian sub in American waters that nobody <laughs> knows about. That's right. The jet
0: launches out of the sub, not detected by any radar that we know of. Gets into outer space, moves out of the, uh, uh, moves back into the sun's rays, and Banner, uh, the Hulk, turns back into Banner.
1: Nobody notices until they get off the plane. Yeah, uh, and then the guard goes like, "The Hulk! What happened to the Hulk?" Which and they play like, it so cool. Rick Jones and Banner <laughs> play this so cool. It's great. Bruce, yeah. Uh, Rick's response is, Got any idea what this Joker's talking about, Doc? Bruce, not the slightest. Rick. They're trying to make it a vaudeville act. <laughs> they're they're
0: gaslighting him.
1: <laughs> and then the the um, got the Gargoyle, the gargoyle, puts gargoyle it figures it out. that that means that Banner, who wasn't on the plane before, the Hulk must have turned into him. But he doesn't. Oh no, he he he, he does believe it.
0: He does believe it. He sees through their stupid lying. Goes, well, I guess you are the Hulk. That you're wearing the same clothes the Hulk was wearing earlier. So
1: yeah. So he, um, they put Hulk. I'm sorry. They put Banner and Rick in a jail cell, and the Gargoyle is here talking trash. But he takes a moment to reveal his own personal tragedy.
0: He starts talking trash, and then he immediately starts crying.
1: Um, I know that you and Hulk are the same, Gargoyle says in the first panel and then the next panel, but why? Why would you want to be a monster? You must be insane. It's the most horrible thing in the world to be a freak, a Gargoyle, like me, and starts crying. Yeah, I'd give anything to be normal.
0: Anything.
1: I love that picture, though. Yeah, it's great. Um, but Banner says, hey, I'm as helpless as you. It wasn't my decision. Uh, somehow Banner, just on eyeballing Gargoyle, knows how to cure him.
0: Yeah, I know to cure you by radiation. Told you he's a radiation expert.
1: Yep, but although your features would become normal, your brain would suffer. You would no longer be a brilliant scientist. And Uh, and Rick uh, Jones is like, don't help him. And uh, Uh, Banner wants to help him. Yeah, Banner's a good guy. And Gargoyle is on board. No matter what happens to me, even if I die, so long as I could die a man. So they lead him to a lab with all kinds of equipment, gives him full power over it, and Banner uses it to cure the Gargoyle. And he's a normal-looking dude.
0: Yeah, and then he helps Banner and Rick Jones get to another rocket so they can fly back to Arizona. Just want to say, then, there's,
1: a, there's a little speech here at the bottom page 23 where the gargoyle curses out Khrushchev. Yes. <laughs> just straight up, just like, says, just in case you were wondering if the Russians were good, no. Russians are bad, mm-hmm. they're evil, and we, are, we Americans are good. Sorry, okay, page, yes, then we get to a rocket ship.
0: Yeah, Banner and Rick Jones get put on a rocket ship, so the, gargoyle, it's, the gargoyles escape rocket. Uh, and Rick and, uh, uh, banner on that to fly back to Arizona. And then the gargoyle kills himself,
1: kills himself and a bunch of the officers with him. He explodes his office as they're confronting him, killing all of them.
0: So now that he's cured, he can finally
1: die. The last panel is Rick and Bruce in a rocket saying the end of the gargoyle and perhaps the beginning of the end of red tyranny too.
0: Um, And as we know, that is what ended the Soviet control
1: yeah, the gargoyle self-destructing a base, and that's the end of the first issue of the Hulk.
0: And I guess that's what I'm meaning. Like that that gargoyle thread feels like a completely different comic than the first half, where he's like running from the military and Thunderbolt Ross.
1: I would say you had enough in the first half of this story.
0: You could have done a whole issue with the army chasing him down, and they will in the future do many such issues with Thunderbolt Ross and Betty and Rick. That's so much going on, but they they added this gargoyle, and it was so fast.
1: It's he so discovers fast. the Hulk,
0: flies to Arizona, captures the Hulk, flies back, gets cured, kills himself, sends them back.
1: I mean, Jack Kirby cannot spend three pages without introducing another character. Yeah, if Kirby saw Infinity War and Endgame, he'd be like, why wasn't this a short film? Yeah, why, why are you spending so long on this? This is a half hour of plot you got here. Um, but it's really fun, though, isn't it? And the art is incredible. And the drawing yeah, is exciting. Great. I mean, I love, I love this issue. And the gargoyles is not necessary, but he looks rad. Like, you know, all Kirby characters just look so cool.
0: Yeah. Him sobbing, uh, and, in the anguished pain face are two great, great, um, uh, panels of him.
1: Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, they are the, the manifestation of the exclamation point. Every Stanley dialogue <laughs> has an exclamation point. Every Jack Kirby pose is drawn in extreme passion.
0: This is an awesome debut. I'm surprised this comic wasn't as big a hit as Fantastic Four. I guess it just wasn't superhero-y enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I might like this better as an issue than the FF1. You know, just as, like, something to read.
0: Yeah, the FF origin page is, like, the couple pages where they have their actual get their powers is really cool. But the rest of it is sort of nothing.
1: Yeah, even, like, all the Mole Man stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but if, for whatever reason, it wasn't enough of a hit, I guess. I don't know. But I, I love this issue. Should we do our yeah. awards? Yes, we should. Uh, I already I, The one I said before is what I'm picking. My favorite is? Di- my favorite dialogue is, powerful forces, bah. A bomb is a bomb. The trouble with you is you're a milksop. You've got no guts. Although a close second would be Betty Ross's speech about supernatural forces. It's the closest a Marvel character has ever come to being self-aware as to the significance of the whole Marvel Comics ascension. Um, I mean, I told you what
0: page is my favorite page in early Marvel Comics. (laughs) Um, And that still is true. The, the, The transition from him screaming in radiation to him screaming in a lab or in a doctor's office is awesome.
1: So I'm disorganized. Let's pick our favorite art and our favorite dialogue. Okay. So do you do favorite art? I just did. You just did. So my favorite art is going to be, it's hard to not pick the same. Okay. I'm going to pick panel four of that page with Banner standing above the trench, Rick Jones in the trench and the bomb behind him.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's iconic as well. Yeah. My runner up would probably be the bottom of page 14, just where like the sort of tragic look at banner waiting to turn into the Hulk again.
1: Yeah. That's a great one. Which favorite dialogue? So I said my favorite dialogue, it's the milk line.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is, that's, that takes the cake for sure. Um, uh, Thunderbolt Ross is going to be an easy treasure, treasure trove of great lines of dialogue. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the dumb line that I love from the next page. Then um, it's ding dong. Well, about time.
1: <laughs> it's pretty great.
0: I like that. I love him saying "blamed" uh, uh, just before <laughs> the panel you picked. Basically, everything Thunderbolt Ross says, I yep. love. Yep. Um, I mean, I know we're not doing low lights. I don't really think there are any low lights. I mean, other than Betty Ross being nothing but um somebody to moon over bruce
1: relative to the incredibly low bar that female characters have in early 60s marvel comics betty is still positioned to be an interesting character here like she's a love interest she's smart uh it's a pretty short step from her to be a real character if you want given this issue like she's probably just as developed as thunderbolt ross for example or rick jones so like, but of course that won't happen. She will be relegated to her fainting female status pretty soon.
0: Yeah. I just think this first issue is so solid. I mean, the next issue gets into the toad men. It gets silly almost right away. Yeah. Um, but this first issue just works. Even the gargoyle, which is such a huge left turn. If that was a whole second issue about it, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It just feels like it needs a little time to breathe. Just a little
1: time to breathe. Yeah. But uh, his visual design is really cool. Um, the cursed... You know, loyal Soviet citizen who was experimented on and turned into a monster with abilities. that's that's a good story.
0: Also, if you look at this like a pilot episode, it's smarter than to give you like a taste of the two different kinds of hulk stories you can do.
1: Yep, that's true. You're not quite sure what's going to hit. Um you know, they're and they're a monster. They're a monster comic factory right now. So to have a bunch of gargantuan creatures is, which is what they did in Fantastic Four number one makes sense. I don't know. I'm really excited. Uh, Yes. Should we, do we have any mail to read?
0: We do have one piece of mail. Okay. If you want to mail us. Oh yeah. You should.
1: Pull your car over. Here's how you can mail us. Our email address is screwitspidey at gmail left over from our first season. But then our other Instagram handles are screwitcomics. Our Instagram is screwitcomics and our Twitter is screwitcomics.
0: That's right. Uh, Anyway, we got a piece of mail from Tim Murphy. Um, He must have sent this after our previous episode, so our sort of general look at the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, And he has not emailed us in a while, and he apologizes, and so I hope you forgive him, Will. I do not. Okay. Okay. Fair enough, Tim. uh, Will does not forgive you. I do. Uh, He wanted to talk a little bit about the Fantastic Four first. Uh, Last season was a monumental task covering all of the Kirby's Fantastic Four. I initially worried for your sanity and felt like it was a bit more than could be chewed. But you did an admirable job and got me interested in characters I had largely written off. Oh, thank you. Uh, He writes this thing that I really like in here. Um, I think my favorite thing about Marvel's first family was the craziness that Lee and Kirby brought to the art storyline and the overall exploration theme. So many new and crazy worlds and characters spun from their imaginations, microverses, negative zones, subterranean civilizations, underwater kingdoms, and insane cosmic beings. I like that. I like that just listing all the things that were in yeah, that comic. It's always true. fun.
1: That's well said.
0: Uh, sec- seg- he, then, he, he refers to his paragraphs as segments. His second segment is hot take retraction. Okay. Uh, and, and in an earlier email to us, he said he preferred Ditko to Kirby. Yeah. And uh, I didn't argue with him.
1: Yeah, I, that's a totally reasonable thing to say. I
0: um, think. In fact, I think I agree.
1: I think but, I agree, um, too. I think overall, and he certainly has aged better.
0: But uh, he, uh, Tim here has changed his mind.
1: Okay. I've had that feeling, too, though. There's been times in my life where Kirby's number one for me.
0: Yeah, especially when we're reading some of those FF issues. It's hard to not oh, love yeah. everything about it. Yes. Uh, I appreciate both now and definitely give the edge to Kirby for the reasons I list above. Uh, and just the overall amount of material in comparison to Ditko's Spider-Man. Such an interesting exercise to compare the two in their approach to visual storytelling. When you mix in the unifying presence of Stan Lee, his impact on both is endlessly intriguing. Who is leading who? Does the interplay subtly shift over time or individual story arcs? The alchemy that takes place when you start stirring all those ingredients together is really special and unsurpassed, in my opinion. And I agree with all of that. I mean, these comics are so interesting because we don't really know... Fully, what was going on? Nobody knows. Stan yeah. and Kirby and Lee couldn't tell you. Um, I mean, and Ditko couldn't tell you really where things were coming from. That's right. And it changed. It must have changed from issue to issue, month to month, year to year.
1: Yep. Um, uh,
0: and then he talks about um, uh, that he's excited about the Hulk run. Uh, I came to the character via the recent immortal Hulk. Which is awesome, he says. I agree. Yep. But felt like I was missing a bunch of key plot points as I had not read much prior. I went back and read the initial six issues and could not get enough. Uh, went on to some of the tales to astonish. So he didn't read all the tales to astonish, which makes sense. It gets repetitive. Right. Then read a chunk of Peter David's Long Run. Then some Planet Hulk and World War Hulk. Uh, he read a lot of good comics there. I'll tell you that, Well,
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: I am still perplexed, but I think that is part of the draw. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the Hulk as you were sort of alluding to at the top. And I think we talked about last week, it's what, these are all, all those things he just described are such different types of stories. Yes. Uh, anyway, he's excited about the new season.
1: Great. Thank you, Tim.
0: That's our one email. So if you want to talk about the Hulk, talk about this issue, talk about Thunderbolt Ross, um, email us, screw it, Spidey at Gmail.
1: And, um, uh, I think that's it, right, Kev? Yeah, we'll be back next episode with uh, the Did Toad Men. The Toad Men. All right, thanks, everybody. Have a good uh, life. Smash away. Smash away. Smash
0: away. Bye. I'm
1: Kate Thompson.
0: Campfire.